0: I really appreciate our Bible reader this morning. I appreciate our worship leaders this morning. Appreciate you being here this morning. I uh, I appreciate one of my preaching heroes, a fellow named Fred Craddock, and uh, some of my thoughts that I'll share with you today come from Fred. He had such a way with words, and um, and like him, uh, anytime someone says to me, I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm going to do it anyway. I have a hard time believing him. You know, I can understand... uh the power of independent thought or the, the, you know, living out of the strength of your own convictions. I can appreciate the desire to live your own values in a, in a time and a culture that, that may be going in the opposite direction, but that, that's all great. But, but I really find it hard to believe when someone says, I don't care what anyone says, because we do. I think all of us do. It's a kind of a fundamental social desire to, to have the, you know, the approval of your friends and family and people all around you in your life. It, it just is. And, and some of us, I know we want that a little too much. Sometimes we pay too high of a price for that, you know. Sacrificing our faith, abandoning our conscience, trying to uh, lose sight of right and wrong so that we can, you know, get the votes or get the promotion or get the job or get the girl or get the new uh, set of friends that we're looking for. Whatever the case, sometimes we pay too high a price. Like Nyla Anderson. Nyla is a bright, happy, athletic 10-year-old girl uh, her mom went into a room uh, last December and found her unconscious on the floor. She rushed her to the hospital, and uh, after three days in the hospital, she did not make it. She died. Why? Why did why she stop breathing? Why did she collapse on the floor? Well, apparently, she was trying to do something that's called the blackout challenge on TikTok. She wanted social media friends to think that she was cool. And it can get kooky sometimes, you know? But but even even with some of those extremes, even though it's exaggerated for some, I think in all of us, it's there, the approval of others. I care what other people think. In fact, I I think the reason why being misunderstood is so painful is that it carries with it the idea of disapproval. There's a 67-year-old man, married to his 69-year-old wife for a long, long time. They didn't have any kids, but they were enjoying retirement together. They were traveling. They were going places. uh, They were uh, having friends over. It was a a pleasant time. But then, they started to notice the front edges of Alzheimer's creeping into her mind. And um, her husband took care of her. Day after day, he took care of her, but then, not very long after some of these things started taking root, he placed her in a nursing home, and it seemed kind of sudden. He, he did go out uh, to the nursing home every afternoon, and he vis- visited with her, and he'd sat and talk for week after week after week for about three weeks, did that every single afternoon, and then all of a sudden, he just stopped going Completely. And my, 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 the talk around town, the talk in the church, the talk in the neighborhood. What is he up to? What is he doing? I can't believe he put her in. That That seemed really sudden, didn't he? Yeah, he put her in that nursing home. And what does what, what he do? Is there someone else? What's going on? He's not going out there. Two weeks later, he died of pancreatic cancer. He was taking care of her. It didn't look like it. And people talked. (laughs) We might have talked. Too soon we would have talked. We didn't understand. But we might have talked, right? We would disapprove because we didn't understand. And just like that, we'd get in the way. Will Campbell was a Southern Baptist minister from the State of Mississippi, 1950s, 1960s. He was a campus minister on the college campus. He was a pastor of a Southern Baptist church. He was a social activist. He was a civil rights, uh, you know, activist. And he bears the scars of the 1960s and trying to minister in a a time of racial strife. Uh, In fact, even in this picture, uh, here he is on our right uh, being consoled at the death of Martin Luther King Jr. He, He was a guy whose name was in the newspaper all the time. But near the end of his life, uh, before he passed away, Will Campbell was invited to a meeting of the KKK. And he went. He went. Will Campbell, pastor, civil rights activist, goes to a meeting of the KKK? Well, people talked about that, let me tell you. They said, oh, sure. Sure, when push comes to shove, old Mississippi still comes out, doesn't it? He did all that stuff. He talked about all that stuff, but we know who he really is. People were hurt. People were disappointed. People were devastated. They were so angry. But no one dared ask, well, what did you do there? What did you say? And a friend of his, he was talking to it about it, and the friend said, why did you go? And he said, Will Campbell said, it's the sick who need a doctor not the healthy. (laughs) Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like Jesus. The people didn't approve. I don't think we would have approved because we didn't understand. And how easy it is for all of us just to get in the way. One time Jesus went into a town called Jericho. It was an old town, but a beautiful town. And, and all these people gathered up around him. You know, they were the, the, mostly the common people, the people of the land. And, and uh, listening to him in great numbers, they swarmed him around him wherever he went. And he comes into town. And on that day, on that day, Jesus chose to go to the home of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. He had, the, you know, he had the largest house in town, he was on the biggest hill in town, he had the only outdoor patio in town, I don't know, this big, big, massive place, and Jesus decided he was going to go have supper with him, and Luke tells us that the people began to mutter. Oh, they griped and they complained. You can almost hear it, can't you? Oh, what's, my house not big enough for you, Jesus? you going up there to, to, to Zacchaeus' house. I thought Jesus was one of us. I thought he loved poor people. What's he doing? I mean, sure, at my house, we just have bread and milk, but up there tonight, he's having caviar. Oh, Jesus, moving on up, upward mobility. But in Zacchaeus' house, they ate and they had a conversation that ended with this, Zacchaeus, this wealthy tax collector, he says, look, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's a tax collector talking. He worked for the Romans. He had bilked people out of money all his life. Now he's going to pay people back. Today, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Wow. Can you hear the crowd of people eating their words when Zacchaeus is walking around town handing out money? Well, we didn't, we, we, we thought, but we didn't, we didn't know. We, we, we had to talk. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's too soon. Didn't understand. He got in the way. Peter in Acts 11, you heard his story. He's traveling around Judea. It's maybe eight or nine years, I suppose, since the death of Jesus and his resurrection and the ascension, and it has been a crazy time, a roller coaster time for Peter in this early church. To be fair, it's been bonkers, really. Peter had just seen the Holy Spirit work through him when he went and saw this man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years, paralytic, and, and he comes in, and in the name of Jesus Christ, he told him to walk, and he got up and walked home. <laughs> And there was this woman, Tabitha, who had passed away, and all the people she had cared for in the community, they were filled with grief, and Peter came and he prayed, and wouldn't you know it, God raised her from the dead. Stuff like that gets people talking. (laughs) Luke says, this became known all over Joppa. And maybe these kinds of things, and people's talk, maybe these were on the mind of Peter when he went up on the house rooftop to pray. And he's up on this rooftop around lunchtime, and he has this kooky vision where a voice from heaven tells him to eat unclean food, and he says, absolutely he would not. Surely not, Lord, Peter said, which I always find an interesting oxymoron. Can you say no to your Lord? Peter was pretty good at it, and if I'm honest, I'm pretty good at it too. Peter said no. He can't eat animals banished by the Jewish law. What would people say? (laughs) But three times the vision happens. Three times he denies it. Three times he hears this voice from heaven that says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And he thinks about that, and he stews on that, and he's wondering about this, and then all of a sudden these messengers, these Roman messengers come to his house, or the house he was staying, and they invite him to go with them. These unclean, non-Jewish, shunned kind of people, but Peter goes, and he enters the home of Cornelius, and a large gathering of people come around him. The wrong sorts of people, you understand. Unclean people, according to the Jewish folks, and Peter talks and he shares with them about Jesus, how in Acts 10, Jesus, he says, is the Lord of all. How in Acts 10:43, uh, everyone who believes in him, Peter says, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. As true for us as it was for them. And then God jumps in even before Peter concludes his sermon. Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Don't you hate it when God interrupts a perfectly good sermon? Doing only what God can do? I mean, you probably don't care, but I would care. And then he says, the circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Well, let me tell you, word got out about this. So, Acts 11, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, back to his home base, the circumcised believers criticized him. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. They criticized him. Luke's word is... Uh, Diacrino, they they, they disapproved vocally. People said, having lunch with Gentiles now, Peter? What has gotten into you? How could you even entertain something so kooky? Chatter got around town. Have you heard about Peter? Do you hear what Peter did? Oh, yeah, I heard what Peter did. Can you believe that? Having lunch with those people, eating with those people, accepting those people. Isn't he a fine one? He's an anti-Semitic Jew. Did you know there was such a thing? I can't believe it. Spitting on the grave of his ancestors. That's what I say. They are absolutely crushed. I mean, this is Peter. This is the rock. This is the one who said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is the one who saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain. This is the one who ate with Jesus, a resurrected Jesus on the beach. Peter, not Peter, not this. They disapproved. And they talked. But they didn't know what he was doing. They talked too soon. They got in the way. So, uh, Acts 11, verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story, the vision, the voice, the, the sheet, the unclean animals, the spirits prompting to go with these messengers even though they were unclean. He even told them about his sermon getting interrupted. I love that. Acts 11, verse 15, as I began to speak, good preacher, right? He was just getting started when God, you know, did his thing. The Holy Spirit came on them as he'd come on us at the beginning, and he tells them all of these things. And then he concludes with this, verse 17 of Acts chapter 11, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Oh, no, Peter, we didn't, we didn't know. We we didn't know what you were doing. We didn't know what God was doing. We didn't know about the, we didn't know about the voice. And the, We didn't know. We didn't know. We, we talked too soon. We talked too soon. You know what I've decided? I think I've decided this. That being a Christian carries with it the very real possibility that you will be misunderstood. What you do, why you do it. I think it's a very real danger. I mean, look at us today. You're here sitting on the, in this church building today. Beautiful May day outside. Absolutely gorgeous. Summer's starting to kick off. The end of school, the change of the rhythm of our community and all this. And, and you're sitting in these seats and you're listening and you're reading and you're praying and you're, you're, you're communing together in this time. And, and listen, there's these things all around us called Boats and jet skis, and all these picnic tables that are just screaming out for you to come and put those red and white checkered tablecloths on them with some fried chicken and some deviled eggs and some sweet tea and have friends around, all kinds of stuff like, or a ball game. My goodness, we live 90 minutes away from a Major League Baseball Park, the Major League Baseball Park. (laughs) Cardinals play the Giants tonight. What are you doing here? Waiting for the sermon to get over. Wish God would interrupt this sermon. <laughs> Did you know that what you're doing now, it looks absolutely kooky to your friends, maybe some of your friends, some of your family, and let me talk about that. Can you handle that? Or or giving. You give your time. You give your money to the mission of Jesus through this church. And we have to do that. We have to give for the good of our community. We have to give for the future of our, our church family. And it's, it's hard. And, and I know some of you have got friends and family. You've got kids and, and grandkids. You've got brothers and sisters and maybe parents even who are looking at you. And they're saying, wait, you, you did what? You gave who money? You gave how much money to what? What? what, what? Don't you know the market's drop, drop, dropping? Don't you know? What What about inflation? What if, what if, what if? And your friends and family might disapprove talking, 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 and it hurts. Or try, uh, try forgiving someone. Uh, Karen's packing up her suitcase. She spent six weeks at her mom's home. And her mom comes in and says, what are you doing? I'm, I'm packing up my suitcase. She says, well, Where are you going? She said, Mom, I'm going home. And Mom says, This is your home. She says, No, this is not my home. This, this, this is your home. Where are you going? Mom, I'm going back to Jim. You're going back to Jim? Yes, Mother. You know what he did? Yeah, I know what he did. And you're going to go back to him? Why? Why would you go back to him? Because I forgive him. Well, I never thought a daughter of mine would condone a thing like that. I didn't say, Mom, I condoned it. I said, I forgive him. Well, it sounds the same to me. Try forgiving. See how it floats out there. See if people talk. Or try reaching out. Try inviting people in your life who are far from God, who uh, have other belief systems. I mean, what would your neighbors say, ladies, if you invited a deja vu dancer over for supper Friday night? Or a woman who recently had an abortion? Well, what if you went over to a neighbor's house and had dinner after sundown during Ramadan? What if... You were caught sharing lunch with a homeless junkie at McDonald's. Phil's eating lunch with meth addicts, and he's an elder. Did you hear what she did on Saturday night? Did you hear who she had over? He plays cards with a Jewish fella. Can you believe that? Oh, my, my, how the eyebrows would raise. Somerset Maugham, an English novelist of a generation ago said, the strongest and most deep-seated instinct of civilized people is the desire for the approval of others. Is he right? I don't think so. I don't think so because I know some of you. And I know that you've put something else above that. You've heard another voice. You've felt another allegiance. You've heard and answered another call in your life. You've looked around. You've seen God at work. And like Peter, you asked the question, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? And you stood down. And you chose to love someone in the name of Jesus despite the whispers. Is that right? Is that a true statement? Is that right about you? Am I right about you? I think I am. I really think I am. Father, we pray as your church family today that you would be active in our lives and we'd be listening and attentive and we pray for your spirit to lead us clearly into the lives of people all around us that maybe maybe would cause the disapproval of others and we hope, Father, we'd see through that that we'd follow your voice and we'd try to get in the way. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be faithful to your mission. Help us to be faithful to the mission of Jesus and the, the proclaiming and demonstrating of his love. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.